Hey guys, in today's episode, I had the best time. I chatted with Sindel Normand of Stork Exchange. It is a fascinating company. I can't wait to tell you all about it. And in today's episode, we explore how she became a mompreneur, launched a business while pregnant and in the fourth trimester, and how her birth unfolded with her first child. So let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Sindel, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited. This is a two-part kind of birth story. We're going to talk about the launch of Stork Exchange. Listeners, you are going to hear a lot about this amazing website for baby carriers and upcycling. I'm really excited. And also, Sindel is one of the doula clients for Colin Parsons. Now, Colin is the doula of Doula Differently. We work very closely together. We partner on a lot of clients and on a lot of projects. She is deeply regarded and respected in the Charlotte area. And Sindel was one of Colin's clients. So we are... Yay, Colin! (laughs) We love Colin. We are so excited to hear your birth story today. But... Before we dig into it, everyone knows I am a sucker for mompreneur stories. (laughs) And I learned through Colin that you were in the middle of launching a company while very, very pregnant in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) Yes, it sounds so crazy when you say it like that, but that is true. We, um, We started to think about this company about a year ago, I'd say, before I got pregnant. And Then we got pregnant while we were living up in Massachusetts and moved back to North Carolina, where I'm originally from, in September when I was about six months pregnant. We came to North Carolina, not only because I was about to have a baby and my parents lived nearby, but because we wanted to start Stork Exchange. We had been, my husband especially, had been working on it big time in Massachusetts, and we knew we needed to be in the city that we wanted to stay in. We decided to launch it um, about two months after Elliot was born. And we had originally just thought we would launch it a few weeks after she was born, which was very naive and silly of us to think with our first child. You just got to start. So we set a date in March and just started it. And here we are still, still working on it today while raising this little babe. So let's everybody push pause on your podcast player app right now. And go to Instagram at stork underscore exchange and hit follow. And you can also go to the website at storkexchange.co if you want to learn and just kind of look really quick before we dig in a little bit deeper into the launch of this company and then Sindel's birth story. So Sindel, let's go back. So you guys are in Massachusetts. Did you have a fertility journey? Did you just get pregnant unexpectedly? Like, tell us a little bit about what your journey to pregnancy looked like. Yeah, so we got married in 2017. And we just took a couple years to be married. We decided to start trying intentionally after a trip to Tuscany. I'm a big (laughs) 
red wine fan, so did not want to give that up. So we um, took a trip to Tuscany with my husband's family. And then we began trying in December of 2019. I had been on birth control pill for so many years, probably like 15 plus years. So I was worried that it would take a while. You know, the doctors say, you never know, it could take the one month, it could take a year coming off birth control like that. So we figured we might as well start and see where it goes. And we were pretty lucky, I would say. I was tracking my ovulation and we were trying um, starting in December and we got pregnant in March. So we really only tried for four months or so. And then and then we found out on April 20th that we were successful. So we felt pretty lucky. Awesome. Okay. So for those that are on their journey right now, and they're thinking about coming off birth control, maybe for baby two or three, and they've taken kind of a break <laughs> in between two. How long after you came off birth control before you cycled again? Oh, just like one month. It stayed regular. Oh, it, it was pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. And you said you were tracking your ovulation. Were you doing that like on a special app or something that you like, I like, was really or recommend? just using the, um, I had like the Ava bracelet, but really just didn't really like wearing it to sleep. And I ended up just using the, the peace strips, the urine strips. And those really worked really well for us. That's exactly how I got pregnant, except for yeah. my, my peace strips had a smiley face yeah. <laughs> or a frown face. And I thought that was kind of fucked up. Every time it was a frown face, I was like, that is like a smack in the face. That's you know, <laughs> I was like, but when the smiley face came, it was like, yes. It's like, let's go. Let's go right let's do now. It. Let's do it. Okay. So pretty, like a relatively easy journey to pregnancy. Okay. For sure. Yes. So I wanted to interject with that. And then you come to North Carolina and you are feeling pretty good. How was your pregnancy? It was just as easy as the, you know, the getting pregnant part. It I, I hate to say it because I know so many women have it so tough, but it it was pretty good. I felt a little nauseated in the very beginning, maybe like weeks four to six or seven, but I never got physically sick. I just felt a little nauseous. And then after that, it was pretty much smooth sailing. I mean, I had your typical little bit of lower back pain. I had terrible, terrible heartburn. But in the grand scheme of things, like that's nothing. And it was pretty, it was pretty easy after that. Just you know, sleeping got harder and harder, got bigger and bigger. But other than that, it was pretty easy. So what tools and tricks and tips, like what would you say to somebody right now who's got raging heartburn? Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I just had Tums everywhere. I had one <laughs> bottle in my car, one bottle in my purse, one bottle by my bedside table. You know, I talked to my doctor and eventually took it up a knot. He was like, if this isn't cutting it, you can have some Pepsid and so I would take pet. I just made sure it was always on hand. It was constant. It was like a subscribe and save sort of order on, yeah. <laughs> on Amazon, just making sure I was, always had it. Because if I was without, I was going to the store, but I was eating Tom's like candy. I mean, it was, and every single person I told that to was like, that means it's a hairy baby. <laughs> and... And, and, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say she was. Um, it's about the the back half of her neck, and okay. it's in mullet form. It's her hair. It still looks like that today, around four months old. But she had a lot of hair, just not a ton on top. She just has kind of like a neck curtain back here where it. I <laughs> love keeps it. Her neck warm. Just keeps great hairstyle. It's probably coming yeah. back in. So the other thing that you mentioned was lower back pain. Did you ever use um, like a Bangkok belly bind or a belly, like a support band for that lower back I pain? I didn't. I didn't really use one that was separate from, you know, my compression-y yoga pant. I really didn't feel like I needed to. My sister-in-law did recommend them and she used them a lot, but I never really, I never felt it was severe enough to have to, to try anything like that. I mainly just did my prenatal yoga. I tried to go every week on Saturday and or virtually to go. There was nowhere to go, but <laughs> made sure it was on the Zoom every Saturday because that really would help a lot. So I didn't feel like it ever got too, 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 too bad. bad. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm so curious because, you know, I know how all my clients find me, but did you know you wanted to have a doula? Yeah. Again, my sister-in-law was very pro doula. Her and my brother had their first child almost two years ago now. And she is a beautiful black woman and felt that having a doula was very important to her just to make sure that everything 
was in her favor and that she had someone in her corner. And she, her and my brother both just raved about a doula in general. And they live up in uh, Washington, DC. So couldn't have the same doula or anything, but she had just, my brother had been like, trust me, get a doula. It just, is, it helped me. It helped her. It helped, you know, our doula was amazing. So we had been, you know, very pro doula. And I started looking for one while we were still living up in Massachusetts. Awesome. How many people did you interview before you landed on Colin? Um, actually, Colin was the first one. It was love Ooh, at first sight. Oh, go Colin. Go Colin. <laughs> okay, here you are. You're pregnant. You've got a doula. Everything's going well. So let's talk about stork exchanges, like vision, the mission, like what this company means to you, what it stands for, and like, what is it, right? Like, yeah. If if my listeners didn't push pause and do their homework by, <laughs> you know, following, then can you tell us just everything about this business of yours? Yeah. So, you know, start with the basics. Stork Exchange is an online marketplace for secondhand baby goods. And we ship all throughout the United States. The idea came about going back to my brother and sister-in-law. They had their baby, our nephew Kingston, and um, Ben and I had no experience with children at the time. And we went to visit them and their house was just overrun with baby items. I mean, at the time, Kingston was only about a month old, but they had the snoo, they had the mamaru, they had a docketot, they had all these items that we couldn't believe Number one, how expensive they are. And number two, how quickly your baby outgrows them. So we went home thinking like, gosh, parents these days really want everything for their child and they want the best of the best. They want to make sure they're well-equipped before that baby comes and they will buy these expensive items that will only last for six months. You know, your baby outgrows a docketot in six months, a snoo, six months. And these things are $175 for a docketot and for a snoo. So it just kind of blew our mind that when Kingston outgrew these items, if they weren't to have any more children, what would they do with them? Would they just throw it out and go into a landfill? Would they, would it sit in their attic or their basement? Or, you know, they lived in Washington, DC. They didn't have room. They didn't have, you know, a, a garage out back for all these big items that you maybe want to hold on to for your next child, but you don't have anywhere to store them. So it just really got us thinking. And at the time, Ben had been really interested in starting our own company. We just couldn't let this idea go. You know, we just kept thinking. And like I said, at the time I was running the doggy daycare. So it really was, Ben was such the brains behind the operation, just wanting to make this happen. And he just, we just couldn't get it out of our heads. That was kind of the reason behind Stork Exchange. And he started thinking and he gave me the task. I'm very proud of this, that I named Stork Exchange. He was like, I need you to name this company for us. Like, I know this is something you'd be good at. So I sat down one afternoon and made like, I felt like I was in middle school. I made a little word map. I started with the word baby. I circled it. And then I just branched out all these little branches of words that reminded me of a baby and like just kept it going. It came to Stork, you know, I thought of the stock exchange and how ideally Stork Exchange would kind of be a, a website where you where you can buy, you can sell, and it just kind of gets shared between parents. You sell us your snoo, someone else buys your snoo. It's a recycling of the goods. So exchange made sense to me. And, I, and we just liked the play on words of Stork Exchange and Stock Exchange. So that's how we named it. But we basically just wanted to... We just thought there was too much waste in early parenting these days, financially and environmentally. So we just were trying to come up with a way to make it easier. I mean, there's Facebook Marketplace, there's Craigslist, of course. You can do the same thing that we're offering, but with less hassle when you do it through Stork Exchange. We clean the items, you know, we make sure that everything's in amazing condition before coming to you and we do it ranges in in um, condition on our website. We it goes from open box condition to well loved. So the price will reflect you know, the condition of of things, but we make sure that nothing's in poor or unsafe condition before getting it. So it kind of just takes the hassle out of it for you. You don't have to scour Facebook Marketplace for hours. You don't have to find someone who's selling what you want and then meet up with them. And maybe it's sketchy or, you know, you just, it takes all that away and people can just have like a one-stop shop. I love it. And I saw that you guys have launched with baby carriers first. And so tell me some of the brands that you have in your inventory right now. 
We have um, Ergo Baby, nice popular one. Baby Tula's one of my favorites. Baby Bjorn. We have Lil Baby. We have a lot of raps too. We have Solly Babies, Baby Catan, Mobies, Bobas, expanding to things like bouncers and strollers and docketots and snooze and breast pumps and just trying to just trying to get a variety because we know people are going on and they might not be in the market for a carrier at the moment or you know they may already have one and they love it so they don't need another one and they're looking for something different so we're working hard every day to get as many things on there as we can and so Sindel so a lot of the audience listening right now they're either in the market for those carriers that are gently loved on and they definitely want to save some money but also in a couple of months they're going to have some baby items like their carrier, that they may want to pay forward to the next person in line. How would they go about selling their baby carriers to Stork Exchange so that they could be sold easily and hassle-free to the next mom in line somewhere else in the country? Yeah, um, just contacting us any way that you find convenient. You can go on the website and do it. Um, you can send us a DM on Instagram and I'll, and I'll chat with you, uh, whatever's easiest for you. And then um, if you're local, we'll come pick it up for you. If not, if you you know are anywhere else in the country, we will send you a shipping label and a bag or box to send it in depending on the size. And you can just put it, pop it in the mail and send it back to us. And we pay you right for that directly. And then you get to see it be uploaded to our site. We clean it, we sterilize it, and it goes into a steam chamber right now just to make sure, not just right now, but forever to, to get rid of any type of germs. And then we ship it off to you. I think it is such a unique and wonderful concept that is so needed in this world right now. I mean, sharing is something that we just don't do enough of. I mean, my partner and I talk all the time about the neighborhood. We're like, why does every single person on the block own their own lawnmower? As a doula, here we are and we see time after time the stress with their baby list and their baby registry and getting everything on there. And I'm like, Go to storkexchange.co and just pick up a couple of things and don't spend a zillion dollars. So Babylist makes it really easy. I mean, you can just add Stork Exchange and then do a gift card so that you can pick out the baby carrier or the gently used item or open box item that you want with some of the money that you get from all your friends and family. So I love it. I just cannot believe that you're another mom that I'm interviewing that launched a company pregnant in the couple months postpartum and is rocking the mompreneur thing and doing something to pay it forward to make pregnancy and like the fourth trimester and new motherhood easier. So Sindel and Ben, amazing. Now I want to know about your birth. Yes. <laughs> All right. Real good stuff. All right. Let's do it. Okay. So first, talk about what it's like to have a doula leading up to your birth. Like how did that experience shape the type of birth that you had? Gosh, having a doula was, oh, it was so, it was priceless for me. I have a lot of friends that um, have been through a lot of births. You know, they've had multiple children at this point. But it was just so nice to have someone that you felt like you could ask anything to at any time of day, especially Colin. So amazing. She'd be like, send me, send me a photo. Like nothing's too far with the doula. You know, they're, they're going to be there for the real thing. And they're there up until that. So any question I had, it was just really nice to feel like I had someone there for me all the time who, who knew the answer. And it was, it wasn't just going to give me a, oh, this was how it was for my, for me or every baby's different, every pregnancy is different. And it was just nice to have someone who was so knowledgeable and not just giving me a, this was how my baby worked kind of thing. Um, so it was amazing. Yeah. Tell me about the preparation. I know you talked to her in advance of going into labor, but like, did you do like childbirth education or birth planning? Like what did that process look like? I think um, that we did a pretty good amount of preparation. We talked to Colin on Zoom when we were up in Massachusetts, definitely came up with a birth plan. She shared a lot of her past experiences and I was able to check out, you know, your Instagram, her Instagram, check out podcasts about birth and, and learn a lot more. Cause I really had, was pretty clueless going in. Like I said, I had friends that did it, but you know, no older siblings other than my brother. And it just, 
you know, needed to learn a lot, I feel like. Yeah. So our doula, you know, Colin recommended so many online classes to us in the midst of COVID. We took an amazing breastfeeding class. We took a lot of classes through our hospital, just the old old tour, old virtual tour, which was not the same as going there in person, but it was so great. And infant CPR and just being ready for an infant, newborn infant care. Um, my husband and I just sat right there and, and watched all of those. And it was, it was cool to see other women going through the same thing at the same time too, because we were all on Zoom and the infant CPR was a little tough to take online, but we had our little baby doll and made that happen too. So I feel like we learned a lot, even though Obviously, going into it as a first-time mom, it's going to be your first time going through labor. It was a little nerve-wracking to only be able to do online classes. I would have loved to go in person and feel even more confident about it. But having a doula and Colin made me feel 10 times more comfortable about it all. Okay. So were you totally healthy? Like every check, like blood pressure good, like GBS status. Like tell us a little bit about like, your gestational health, let's call it, going into labor? I was actually, I was healthy pretty much every check. There would be a couple of times my blood pressure would be a little high. The first time we'd recheck it, everything was fine. But to be honest, it was pretty, every time I went, I didn't get any type of bad news, which was such a blessing, but it was pretty, it was a pretty hell. It was boring. So boring, but it was pretty healthy. <laughs> this is the best way to be. So no I gestational diabetes, <laughs> nothing. No GBS. You were GBS no. negative and that. Okay. And you were well, planning to birth in, in the hospital because you said you did a hospital tour. I have a tidbit for our audience listening today. Don't let them take your blood pressure when you first get to your appointment. It's always high. I have my moms calling me in panic because they're like, my blood pressure was just a little bit high. And I'm like, well, yeah, they take it the moment you walk through the door with bright fluorescent lights. And you're like, shit, I'm about to have an ultrasound today. Or they're going to monitor me or like, who, uh oh, who's this person? And it's in the middle of a pandemic. So you're like, people, there's a person in front of me, you know? And then they, no, they're like, so right. while you're having all these thoughts, let's check your blood pressure first it's thing. True. And they also talk to you. I mean, it's your first time seeing your nurse in, in however long. And so I'll sit down and my nurse would always be like, so what'd you do last week? And then she's like, oh, wait, don't talk. Don't answer me. Don't talk while you're doing the blood pressure. And I'm like, well, stop asking me questions. I mean, you, it's a natural to be like, so how are you? How have you been when you first see someone? And then you're supposed to not talk while you're getting your blood pressure taken. Mm, I get it. Like, I understand that there's medical reasons that we need to know what your blood pressure is, but I'm like, can't we do that last? And then just like yeah. lengthen your appointment if your yeah, blood maybe, pressure's Maybe high. people should start requesting it to be done right before leaving. Yes. Do the blood pressures later, y'all. Okay, don't be mad at me for interrupting. I just wanted to share a little bit more about Stork Exchange while I'm in the middle of interviewing Sindel. It truly is an online marketplace where you can easily buy secondhand carriers and baby goods. I tested it out myself and I used code BIRTHSTORY and I got 20% off. For right now, just push pause on this podcast Check out storkexchange.co, use birth story as the code, and you'll get 20% off. It's going to come to you in packaging that's super eco-friendly, paper tape, 100% recyclable cardboard boxes. It's all non-toxic. You're going to love everything about it. All right, let's get back to Sindel's episode and hear the rest of her birth story. So how did you know you were in labor? Well, if you ask Colin, we had a few, <laughs> we had a couple false starts where I thought I perhaps was in labor and was not. I, I was three centimeters dilated and 80% effaced for about three weeks before my, my guest date of December 28th. And my doctor just seemed to think I was going to maybe go early. I mean, the baby was in position, very low. Um, he just didn't think it was going to go all the way to, to 40 weeks and to full term. And so I was always on edge about a month leading up to it, just thinking it was going to happen. And it being my first time, I just didn't know what that was going to look like. So every time I even thought that perhaps my water broke or 
perhaps I was having signs, you know, I immediately contacted Colin and always thought that, that was, it was happening because I was so sure that it was going to happen early. And then Sindel, I am so glad that you are mentioning this because one, I'm sort of confused because I know your doula very well. And I know that she would have instructed you over and over again to not have had any vaginal exams at all. So I know you went against advice there, but this is really important for everyone listening. If you are healthy and your baby is healthy, there is nothing that a vaginal exam can tell you. Nothing. You can be like Sendel, three centimeters dilated, 80% effaced, mm-mm, did not have a baby at 38 weeks. Did okay? not matter. <laughs> or 39 weeks or whatever. It doesn't tell you anything. It can leave you a little crampy. It can make you spot bleed and it can accidentally break your water 10% of the time. So I'm not really giving you a lecture here, Sendel, but for the next child that you may or may not have, it is always my recommendation, hands out, y'all, hands out if you're healthy. There is no reason to have a vaginal exam. I mean, I have clients all the time that are like, Heidi, I'm a numbers person. Okay. It doesn't do anything. It tells you zero. So anyway, lecture over. So you, it gave you anxiety, right? It like, you thought something was going to happen that didn't yeah. happen. It like, it gave you false information. Right. It really did. And I do think I will take your advice next baby and not do that. And of course, you know, Colin did, did recommend such. I think when it's your first, you just you know, you do trust your doctor a little, you know, maybe more than you should. Yeah. I mean, shit. I had it. Okay. Okay. I had a vaginal exam every time too. Whatever. But I'm just telling you, like, now that I did it that way and Sindel did it that way, together, we're telling you don't do that thing (laughs) that you want to do. It makes perfect sense (laughs) now. And it's true. It does leave you crampy. It does leave you spotty. It It didn't matter. I mean, the numbers did not matter. It didn't it even, I feel like it even made my doctor think things were happening that really weren't. And yeah, I think now that I went through it once and I have a little bit more of a backbone, perhaps I'll be like, no, you're not, no checking me for any, for any reason. If the baby and I were both perfectly healthy every time. And so there was really no reason other than just when your doctor says, well, I want to check you this week. And then, you know, just being a little nervous the first time to be like, well, no, I prefer that you didn't. But now I'm ready. I'm ready to say that now. Yeah. I will share though that the providers don't really push back a lot on that. So like they'll offer it because I think that they think like people want it also. And I will, the only time I feel like it's ever mattered is I did have a mom that they checked and she was six centimeters dilated. Okay. Very, very rare. But like, clearly we knew that this, that information, six centimeters dilated, gave us information that we were like, shit, as soon as you are in labor, you need to go to the hospital or if your water breaks because you already went zero to six. Like we, that usually takes 12 to 18 hours. Like we don't need to do any of that work. (laughs) So, and she did, she had a baby in two hours and 20 minutes. And so that would be a very rare example of how a vaginal exam could support decision-making, right? But usually the providers don't push back and they're like, okay, just let us know when you are in labor. So it's the holidays. You just said December 28th, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year, yeah. in the middle of the pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. all, the, all the holidays are going on. Kwanzaa. I'm like, <laughs> the best time to have a baby, basically, is what I'm trying to say. It's because all of your family either wants to be with you or not. I don't know. Well, one of your false ones you just said was like you thought your water broke. Could you tell a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Because then when my water actually did break, it was such a different, such a different experience that I felt so silly for thinking that it broke the first time. It had a, it was more like a leak than a than a gush, and I you just hear so much that the gushing's not necessarily a real thing. That's all in the movies. It doesn't happen like that. Sometimes it can trickle out, and I just I really thought that one time I didn't think it was anything else happening. So I definitely was pretty convinced that it was just a trickle effect of my water breaking, and called Colin, and that's I mean that's what your duel is for. She 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 wanted to hear from me every time I thought something was going on, regardless of how silly I felt like it was. 
And then, then we talked through it, you know, she'd be like, well, what does this look like? What is, you know, how, what are you feeling? Are you having any real contractions? And I had had Braxton Hicks for, for a long time. And, you know, Colin would come over and do my um, prenatal appointments. And she was like, I can tell that you're contracting right now, but I could, I was not in any like real pain. It didn't feel like a contraction I had always heard about should. So I just never really thought that anything was happening. And I was so worried that it was going to happen. And I wasn't going to know. I was just constantly asking Colin, like, how am I going to know I'm in labor for sure? And I mean, I didn't really know until I really knew. And then when my water actually broke, you know, I woke up at 3 a.m. on January 4th. And, you know, clearly she hadn't come. So 41 weeks. 41 weeks to the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to wait it out. I definitely didn't want to get induced because there was nothing health-wise, no reason to do so. Um, So I wanted my body to do it on its own and it come naturally. And 3 a.m. I woke up and my water definitely broke. I went to the bathroom and thought that it broke while I was on the on the potty on the toilet and then got up to go wake up my husband and you know it gushed all over our bathroom floor. So you pretty know, I'm obvious. Doing the, I'm doing the <laughs> typical like towel between my legs, like waddling <laughs> over to him, being like, Ben, Ben, like uh, my water definitely really broke this time. Um I like I was like, I have to clean it up off the floor. It, that's how so how hard it broke. <laughs> Did the mucus plug come right with it too? I didn't ever see the mucus plug. I honestly thought I had lost my mucus plug prior, like weeks before. You probably did. Yeah. If you were three centimeters dilated, you probably did usually lose it when you're one to two centimeters dilated. And that's where a doula really comes in handy because they're like, send me a picture of what you think your mucus plug looks like. I mean, Colin was like, nothing's too, nothing's too far. You send me a picture and then, you know, you know, you know, for sure what's happening. And who else are you that comfortable to do something like that with? Yeah, I got a whole phone full of mucus plugs and blood. <laughs> my favorite is Bloody mucus Show. Is this normal Bloody Show? I'm like, yep, hundred percent. That is what it yeah. is, you know. And uh. I do think that happened beforehand. So I had thought my labor was going to happen way before it really did. Yeah. Well, okay. So I don't know anything about your story, but when I do have a client that has a vaginal exam and they're 380, and then they go 41 weeks, right away, I'm like, you're going to go fast, okay? So I don't know if you did or not, but how long was your labor? Well, we, and that's, Colin had thought the same thing. She was like, you're going to go fast. My doctor thought I was going to go fast. Um, Colin was like, your body is just, it seems like it's made for this. I mean, I know every woman is, but so 3 a.m., you know, I contacted Colin. She's like, you know, if you're not feeling any serious contractions, like try to lay back down, relax for a second. And then we did that. And, you know, 20, 30 minutes later, I started feeling real contractions for the first time, you know, started being like, okay, this is what they feel like. Like, mm-hmm. no, those Braxton Hicks were nothing. And, um, can you then describe it was, what it felt like? Oh man. It was like, I don't just like a, a ton of pressure. And honestly, even at that point I was feeling a little bit of an urge to push. God, I really can't even like, I don't even know how to describe it. So I like so a lot of rectal and, pressure. Yeah, I would definitely say rectal pressure. Um, you know, and I had always, everyone had always been like, if you can talk, it's not a contraction. If you have to like stop and I had to brace myself against our bed and just lean over and stuff that I had just not felt prior to it happening. And I was like, okay, this is like, really, this is, these are really it right now. And we started to time them and they were probably about maybe seven, six minutes apart. And then they started getting, I mean, they were, they weren't necessarily consistent. There'd be ones that were like two to three minutes. And so we, we decided we, you know, we called Colin again and she was like, let's go. Like you, I think you need to go. So we got to the hospital around five 30 in the morning when okay. my water broke at around three. Okay. So not, not a couple long. Hours. Um, yeah. And Colin was going to meet us there. And we um, went into triage and she checked me. And at this point I am in a lot of pain. I mean, it was, I felt like I was an animal on the safari about to give birth. I was making those primal noises that, you, you know, hear yep. about and <laughs> say people get embarrassed of. I was not embarrassed of this, but Went into triage. Um, the nurse checked me and was like, I'm going to be right back. I need a second opinion. And we were like, what? So she leaves and comes back and brings her, you know, her nurse 
friend and was like, I don't usually do this. Like, I don't usually need second opinion. She's like, but I don't, I don't feel your cervix. Like, I think you're 10 centimeters dilated and we got to go. And like her friend, you know, my face right now, which I know we hate getting checked more than once. And, but Ben had like just put down our stuff in the triage room and she was like, we got to go and took, put me, grab Ben grabbed all of our stuff. And we went up on that bed, you know, they wheeled me up to labor and delivery. She's like, it's time to go. Like I didn't. And I think that's why I was feeling, you know, so much pain. I had quickly, quickly, quickly gotten all the way to 10 centimeters dilated. So, you know, Ben's texting Colin, she's on her way. She gets a speeding ticket. <laughs> not sure if you want to enjoy that or not, but oh my gosh. She was trying to get to there. And I am so nervous because I am, you know, it wasn't my birth plan to have an epidural. <laughs> I was very nervous about labor and to not have Colin. I was worried that Colin. So you did not want to have an un you did not want to do this unmedicated. Like you no, wanted an epidural. I did not want to do it oh, unmedicated. Oh my gosh, my heart's breaking for you right now. Was there yeah, time? So was there time for an epidural? Because you can get there the epidural was, at 10. Spoiler alert. Yes, there okay. was. Okay. There was time for an epidural. And I will say that without Colin and my doctor, but without, because my OB happened to be on call at the hospital. He was coming off of his 48 hour, you know, he'd been in the hospital for 48 hours, but he was there at the beginning. And between him and Colin, pushing for my epidural. That's the only reason I got it. I mean, they, the nurses in there, everyone was very frantic. I was super, you know, I was super anxious because Colin wasn't there yet. I mean, she was literally on her way, but it all happened so fast um, that, you know, they were, they were like, you're so close. You're so close. Like you can do it. And it was, it was a lot of pressure. I was just kind of giving into their peer pressure when in reality, if I was honest with myself, I did want a epidural and I was it was in my birth plan the whole time to to not go unmedicated. So but they were so encouraging and you know it made me feel like I could they were like you're so close like you can do it. Are you sure you just don't want to go naturally? And I was like, I mean they were like do you just want to try? Do you just want to push, you know, one time? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so, you know, did push unmedicated once and just it was you were like, thank you. That's not for me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I'd like to think that now that I've been through it once, that won't be the case next time because it it was, you know, once things got going and I kind of wished I maybe hadn't got my epidural. My husband was very pro unmedicated, but of course he would support me in whatever I did. Um, he had just, you know, had heard what a great experience it can be to to do it without, to do it unmedicated. But between Colin and my doctor, they got my epidural done. And my doctor was like, you're going to have to stay very still. I mean, at this point I was on my side and felt like I couldn't move off of my side. I was just having these very painful contractions with the urge to push every single time. So I'm just moaning and grunting and feeling like this baby is coming out of me at any second. (laughs) But obviously I like wasn't quite there, but I was there. And I mean, so. Well, this is a really giant teachable moment, Sindel. Because there's going to be people listening that are like, I don't understand, right? So there is dilation, there is effacement, and then there is baby's station. Mm-hmm. So I was not there. But if you were plus 10 plus 2, no time for an epidural, right? Like your baby is like almost crowning. Like let's just push twice and have a baby. But if you are negative 1, 0 station, negative 2, like the baby's still very high up in the pelvis and hasn't really come up under the pubic bone yet. Mm-hmm. You still have plenty of time to get an epidural even if you're 10 centimeters dilated. So right. I'm not looking at your medical record. I don't know anything, but my guess is is that since Colin was able to advocate for you to get your epidural and your provider, it's because the baby was still very high. And that you have to push the baby down and then up Mm -hmm. under the pubic bone and then out. And so that's wonderful that people listened to you. Mm -hmm. Hearing you tell your story, Sindel, it's so funny because we have this, we usually hear the stories in labor and delivery that they're like, do you want your epidural? Do you want your epidural? Are you ready for your epidural? And it's like, there is some truth to that if you get there very early. But um, I mean... I'll be honest, everybody loves a good, you know, fun, fast story. I do love that they encouraged you, but I really love that your doula and your OB 
listened to you. Mm -hmm. They didn't come into your birth with a preconceived notion of how you should give birth and what that should look like. They're like, you want an epidural? We're going to get you an epidural. We're going to make that happen. Yeah. So that's um, how Colin was the entire time. I mean, at this point she had, she was there and she was like, this is what you want. You, this is what you wanted. I mean, you, you've said this the whole time we've ever talked. You've never, you know, really wavered on it. So we're, we're making it happen. If this is what you wanted, we're making it happen for you. And she did. So, yeah. So did you have enough time to get comfortable from the epidural before you pushed again or take a nap or anything? Like I did. There was really no time for a nap. You know, time has no meaning at that point, but got the epidural and my husband was like, you were a different person after that. So I definitely had time to relax. Um, my OB came in and, and was leaving for the day, sadly, but I felt that because I had Colin, I had my epidural, I was ready to to bid him farewell. And I was okay with the fact that he wasn't going to be the one delivering my baby. But he came in and I was very chill and just relaxed for a little while. Never really got a good, good nap in. But then, you know, Colin was there. She's coaching me along, telling me when I feel um, pressure that doesn't go away, just let them know and we'll start pushing. And I started pushing at, I believe, about 10.50 a.m., um, and she was born, Elliot was born at 12, 16 PM. So it was not a ton. Just a little over an hour. Yeah. A little over an hour. Wonderful. And that's really a short period of time for an epidural. Yeah. Average is like one to four hours. So you were mm-hmm. definitely on like the quick side of that, which is yeah. really, really good. It sounded like your epidural worked really well. Like you could still feel pressure but mm-hmm. you weren't feeling like the pain or the, right. you know, I, sometimes I hate using the word pain, but like, you know, the sensations, I mean, they're really powerful sensations. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so you weren't feeling that anymore. Were you ever nauseous or did you throw up throughout your whole labor at all? No, no, no nausea. Didn't throw up while at the hospital or anything. Um, what about the shakes? I did have a little bit of the shakes. Now that now that you say that, I just I had forgotten about that, but I definitely had the shakes. And Colin was like, "This is normal." Like, <laughs> I don't think like, we talk about those enough. Those labor shakes, yeah, um, it's a really solid sign of transition of the completion of the cervix, and then sometimes you can shake with your epidural or after the birth too. So it's just so normal to just kind of shake, and everyone wants to cover you in blankets, and you're like, "No, I'm sweating to death. Yeah. <laughs> don't mind. Like, give me a fan." And an ice cloth, and I'm shaking, but it's not it's like so a true. cold. It's not a cold thing. So, so she's here. Elliot's here, and she's on your chest, and you guys are having that moment. And then you're still in labor, the third stage yes. of labor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and people, I had heard about this. Obviously, delivering your placenta, not something I knew about ahead of getting pregnant, but then, you know, quickly learned that it's don't, don't forget it. Don't forget. You still have a little bit of, a little bit of ways to go. So when, you know, they put Elliot on my chest, um, Ben, you know, cut her cord after a few minutes and they took her over to just weigh her and stuff. And so Ben was over, Ben was over there and I had Colin, but I was like, Oh my God, this, you know, here comes my placenta. You still have, to, I was like, Ben, hi, I still, I still need some assistance over here. I still need a little attention, but you know, you're so wrapped up in your baby. And I did want him to stay over there with her just to, you know, make sure everything was, they weren't doing anything crazy that we didn't want. But, um, that placenta was, yeah, that was no, I was not expecting it to be quite. So you're about to have another baby. And apparently mine was rather large. I don't know, you know, how big a normal average placenta (laughs) is supposed to be, but once they brought it out and they were like, you want to see it? And I was like, yeah, sure. But they were like, this is a large placenta you just pushed out. Three to five pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So you're probably closer to the five pounder. Sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds like it. So what did it feel? You had an epidural. So what did it feel like to push out a placenta? I mean, I still feel like even with my epidural and I, you know, was going to say this earlier, I felt a lot. I felt and, and not in a pain type of way, but, and I was glad I wanted to feel a lot. I didn't want to be over there, you know, hitting my epidural button or asking for any, I wanted to make sure I felt, you know, as much as I could and still be, you know, comfortable, but I felt Elliot's head come out. And at the time they were, they wanted me to stop pushing because the nurse team wasn't quite in there and they were worried Elliot had had a little meconium. And so they, they wanted the nurse team in and they weren't in because they weren't expecting me to, to push her out quite yet. Um, the doctor had arrived, but 
the nurse team that they were looking for wasn't quite in the room yet. So they were like, don't push, you know, obviously to try and stretch me out a little bit more, I think too. And I, I mean, I felt her head and then I felt her whole little body just slither on out. So I feel like I felt the placenta too. And it kind of just felt like it was a whole nother baby <laughs> coming out to be honest. And Elliot, maybe a little me, softer, right? Yeah, definitely softer. Um, definitely softer. No, no shoulders to make Did it through. But I, push? I had third degree tearing from Elliot. So I feel like, you know, it was placenta came out pretty easily after that, I guess. <laughs> out it came. Did you have any plans for that placenta, like donation, encapsulation, just throwing it away, planting it in a tree? Like, did you do anything with your placenta? I wish I wish we had planted it in a tree now. But no, we did look into um, a lot of different things. And we did actually end up donating it. Colin actually asked us about the placenta donation. Third degree tear. What yeah. advice do you have for healing? Man, I I felt like I was pretty prepared and I was happy about that. Between Colin and just, you know, literally Instagram bloggers that were around the same time, just everything they were getting to prepare really helped me out. I mean, my Freedom Mom kit was a lifesaver. Ice packs were a lifesaver. I had a little basket, which I recommend everyone do, just in our bathroom full of everything I needed. The the, you know, my long pads and liners, my ice packs, my um, peri bottle. Gosh, what else did I use? Tux. I mean, I had a wonderful case of the hemorrhoids while giving birth. So that those will come and you just kind of got to have everything handy right there to, to deal with it and expect to, to bleed for a while. It's something that not everyone talks about. But when you see people talk about it, I was like, okay, now I can expect I did heard women be like, you know, six weeks, you're gonna, you might bleed for a whole six weeks and just be, be ready for that. And don't try to rush anything. I think I was a little too, I was a little too crazy at first. And Colin will tell you that I was just too, I was trying to do too much and I just needed to rest more. And I would feel it at the end of the day from that third degree tear, I would be sore. And I was just, I was just on my feet too much right at, right when we got home. And just you just need to take care of yourself and just lay down, sit down, like don't try to do anything around your house. And that was like you mentioned the holidays. It was tough because we had family in town to meet our baby. So it was tough to then turn off the host mindset and just relax and sit down and not have visitors. And that was a that was, you know, a bit of a mistake on our part to just not have a moment to chill and just recover without bouncing right back into life before. It's just so different. It is. Body's different. Everything's different. (laughs) It is. Okay. A couple last questions. How much did she weigh? She weighed eight pounds, eight ounces. Woo. Good, healthy baby at 41 weeks. And then what would you say from like, you started labor at like three o'clock in the morning with your water breaking. And what time was she born? 12, 16 PM. Oh, wow. So that was 12, eight hours basically of labor. So eight in between eight and nine hours of labor. Really, really. That's fast for a first time mom. Very fast. I know. I have a feeling that when you had been checked and you were three, by the time your water broke, you were probably already five or six before you went into labor. I think so too, because I was, you know, even though I did get checked a couple of times, I was limiting the amount of times that, you know, I would get checked. I definitely would opt for it to not happen if, whenever I could. I mean, you can always opt for it not to happen, right? But um, I definitely didn't get checked too much. So I didn't know how far along I had, had come. And so I think you're right that I was a lot farther along than I knew. And my contractions really didn't pick up and they were not painful until I was nine, 10 centimeters dilated. And then I mean, we walked into, I walked into the hospital. I mean, we walked in, I sat down on the bench for a second while we checked in and the, the lady's like, do you need a wheelchair? Cause I was having a contraction at that moment. And I was like, no, I think I'm good. And like got up and we walked and I, I mean, I was okay. And then two minutes later it was time to go. So it was just, it was so fast. And I know this, the second one, good Lord willing, if we are able to have one, we'll be just as quick. <laughs> Yeah. Probably quicker. Yes. Get Colin as your doula and then call her very quickly. Well, Sindel, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today and to just learn all about like mompreneurship and building a company with Stork Exchange. 
And also what a quick labor might look like on a first time mom going to 41 weeks. I mean, there's just a lot of pearls in your story, hiring a doula, of course. And we just want you to leave the audience with what is your favorite baby product? So, and this is, I'm putting you on the spot big time, being an entrepreneur who sells baby products. So so true. So true. What has been over the last four months, the one thing through your pregnancy and through the four months of postpartum that's really gotten you through? Gosh, there are, there's so many, I can barely even narrow it down. I've got to say that my pregnancy pillow saved my life when I was pregnant. Definitely. I'm not, I'm a stomach sleeper. So I had to adjust, had to learn how to sleep on my side. And that, that pillow was amazing. But since having um, Elliot, I've got to say my favorite thing has got to be my, my carrier. I mean, and I know that sounds crazy, but my, my Solly baby at home and my Tula, when, when we leave the house, just this morning, we went for a, three mile walk and she was strapped into me on that, in that Tula the whole time. And it's just, you know, it's an extra almost 18 pounds of, of love you're carrying. So it's an extra workout, but it's also just nothing beats having them on your chest like that and being able to carry them while you still can. And while I'm home, my, my Solly baby is, you know, constantly on and it's so soft and it just, it's so comfortable to have that wrap on while you're home, just, just able to do other stuff. And I imagine in the future, if we do have more children, I can't imagine running around chasing one while having an infant. And I think that a carrier is just so priceless when it comes to trying to do other things while also having a baby, but still having them so close to you. Yeah. Well, you join a lot of moms who cite their carriers as their favorite baby product. And so if you're paying attention, everyone, you can go to storkexchange.co and pick out a beautiful wrap, a beautiful carrier from Stork Exchange, and you can get it for percent off when you use code BIRTHSTORY. Thank you so much, Sindel. Thank you. So great. Thank you, Sindel and Ben, for sponsoring this episode with Stork Exchange. Everyone, don't forget to go to storkexchange.co and use code BIRTHSTORY for 20% off. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. 